I feel like we need a trigger warning for our podcast. Oh, we might need a trigger warning, maybe. To say, hi, my <laughs> name is Faith, and this is your trigger warning. Welcome to the opinion segment of the Homeschooliticast, where we have all the fun and do all the shredding of all the politicians. <laughs> uh, I am Thomas. And I'm Jim. I'm Faith. And we're going to be looking at the weekly news and... Uh, well, I guess it's pretty self-explanatory. We're going to be giving our opinion on it. So let's jump right into it. Uh, we're going to start with the same story we started with in the news segment. Further allegations against Senator Peter Lucido. Now, I know uh, this whole thing started with uh, reporter Allison Donahue um, saying that he made some uh, questionable remarks to her um, and a bunch of teenagers, you know, took that sexually and laughed and um, she felt really bad and all that. Uh, the new allegations. So we've now got a couple of freshman Democrats in the Senate uh, accusing a senior Republican of being creepy and crawly and... Um, harassy. Harassy, yes. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm going to say I am taking these allegations with a gigantic grain of salt. Um, we've seen Democrats using sexual allegations before. Um, the, the whole Brett Kavanaugh debacle, um, the, I mean, they've been constantly leveraged against Donald Trump. Um, it seems to be a favorite tactic of Democrats. And not to say that, like, they might not be true, but it seems like you can't take it for granted whether they're true or not because this has been used as a tactic. And it's sad because then it just reinforces this whole like victim blaming. Like, is it really an issue or are you using this against a Republican candidate? And it just feeds into this whole thing of like the whole sexual harassment cases as a whole where everybody's like, oh, well, you can't trust them because there's been false allegations where there's been so few false allegations and a lot of the public media picks ones like these and just blows it up in your face. Yeah, yeah, it really uh, does disservice to all of the people that have actually been sexually harassed to come forward with these allegations, or to come forward with allegations you know, from two years ago that um, now that there's somebody else, especially with the the weakness of Dallas and Donahue's allegations, it just kind of seems like McMorrow is just kind of jumping on that and trying to use it as leverage against a Republican. Maybe it's true. I don't know. But from where I'm sitting, it doesn't look like it. You're right about the... I mean, you both make good points about the um, using using these allegations for political purposes, it cheapens the allegations um, because it makes you question all the time whether something is legitimate or not. Whereas prior to this, before it was um, politicized, a woman coming forward, you know, it was a very difficult thing for her. I mean, I mean, it still would be, but you know, she could be given the benefit of the doubt. When you politicize it, it makes it hard not to fall into the trap of blaming the victim or, or looking into her record and saying, can she be believed? Let's look at, you know, is she a Republican? Is she a Democrat? What is her motivation? Is she doing this to to create a name for herself or things? 
And that's unfortunate because all too often, all across across the country with the whole Me Too movement, you've seen a lot of people being taken down. Um, they're they're losing their jobs or um, their reputations as a result of an accusation and. Um, it becomes very di- easy for a politician or a political party to say, wow, I mean, look how quickly we can take down somebody by accusing them. And so it wouldn't surprise me that if there was a concerted effort to say, let's let's bring Senator Lucido down, because all we have to do is have a number of accusations. But if she's telling the truth, then, you know, then then it's unfortunate because now there's going to be a lot of people who are automatically going to say she's not telling the truth. And so I don't know where it's going to end with this. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how to correct the problem, how we can have women feel confident to come forth and, and talk about an experience and, and things without fear of retribution or being shamed but at the same time, how do you keep it out of the hands of people who want to use it as a weapon to to demonize somebody or to destroy a person's reputation when there's no real way for them to defend themselves if you just have an accusation against them? So I, I'm not sure where to find the, the dividing line there. Can okay. we just like talk for a second about how sick this is? Like if this is truly a tactic, it is the sickest one. Like, this is something so serious and something that could change somebody's life forever. And not just the victim, but the accusers. No, that's the same thing. The person being accused as well. The defendant. The defendant. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, and, you know, I I agree with you. And I think this is where it's going to end is there are conservative women, too. If this is going to be a tactic that Democrats use, if this is a false allegation, you bet your ass we're going to come after Democrat men as well. I mean, if, if we just want to play this game, like, and I think Republicans in the in the country are getting sick of Democrats using this kind of stuff. Like, they'll make an ac- accusation, there's a headline, you know, and that person is forever branded as, oh, he's a sexual harasser. Like, they don't, they don't publish when it comes out that, oh... The Democrat was lying, like especially I've I've heard very recently, um, you know, people referring to uh, Supreme Kavanaugh? Court Kavanaugh. Yeah, I've heard people even very recently uh, referring to him as the rapist. Like those allegations were proven false. The person making them was threatening people, as reported by the New York Times. Like the New York Times reported that Miss um, Christine Blasey Ford was threatening witnesses to try and get them to change their story. Like, that means she's lying. She's a big old fat liar. So, um, I mean, if this is going to be a continued tactic that Democrats use, you can be sure that Republicans are going to start using it as well. They're already, you know, kind of like, well, you guys have no morals. Um, You guys are going to do anything to win the politics. Why not us? You know, we can't have one party playing by the rules and the other party just doing whatever it wants. So I, th- I think to answer your question as to where this is going to end up, Jim, that's probably where we're going. Oh, it's sad. That's it is horrible. very sad. It is very sad because actually uh, the um, Mc, Mc, McMorrow said that, you know, if anybody's going to change this culture, it's got to be us. 
But if if these are false allegations, you know what you're doing? You're destroying that culture. You are you are making it so that nobody is going to believe any women. Like and it's it's absolutely disgusting and horrible. Yeah, and if you want to talk about women's rights, like I think this is a bigger issue and it's being used as a tactic to take someone down and that's hurting us worse in the long run than anything else that we're voting on right now. Yeah. And if it turns out that Peter Lucido is a is a slimy, you know, little serpent, then get him uh, out of there. Then get him out of there. Yeah. yeah. He's disgusting. But from what I'm seeing is these Democrats are figuring out that this tactic is going to work and they're going to use it. That's what disturbs me is this could have been handled behind closed doors. She could have gone to the leaders in the Senate mm-hmm. and they could have had an investigation, talked to people and figured out what happened and then issued uh, either issued a report or something. But it seems to be tried in the press. Yeah. And that's you know, she's, cause she's come forward in the press. And again, I'm not... Uh, I'm not making an accusation as to whether she's telling the truth or not, but that's what disturbs me is that she's talking about this publicly and making it a public case instead of going, you know, just to her bosses and, you know, it'd be different if she went to her bosses and they said, we're not hearing this. We're not going to take this any further. And she said, well, I I gotta, you know, I need some, you know, I'll I'll go to the people then if you're not going to do anything. Yeah. But she she went went straight to the press and it, and this is what happens a lot of times with these cases um, in an effort to turn public opinion mm-hmm. against somebody. She's not looking for any legal remedy. Yeah. She's not suing him. She's not, you know, she's not saying, I've been violated. I want some justice here. It looks, it looks as if this is all just an attempt to destroy his reputation. And, you know, and these things stick with people. I mean, we know... You can think of a lot of different people from Michael Jackson and everything when there was just an accusation, you know, even like with him being a child molester. I hear that all the time. And he was never convicted of anything like that, you know, but they accused him. And that's what you think. And like when you said with Kavanaugh, I mean, I hear that all the time from Democrats uh, on Twitter and Facebook where they'll talk about, you know, the rapist on the Supreme Court, the, you know, and they just, they call him a rapist. He's never been convicted of anything he's never had legitimate allegations brought against him but they've already decided in the court of public opinion he's guilty and we're gonna label him with that scarlet letter and say and that is what i think is happening here lucido has designs to run for governor in a couple of years and i think this is a concerted effort not saying it's not true, but the reason it's all coming out now and publicly is to make it so that it'll be harder for him to to run against Whitmer in the next governor's race. Yeah, precisely. Um, you know, get those seeds planted now. I mean, and, and you know, and that that does not matter if it's true or not. I mean, it it may be true, but they're still go- going through the public. They're going through the public opinion to try to change. Like what she says, change the culture. Absolutely. You know, instead of going um, through the system that's been created in the Senate to handle these very things, you know, they're handled quietly behind closed doors. So if there's any false accusations, nobody is falsely accused and their name isn't ran through the mud. And that wasn't done here. It was just gone straight to the press in an attempt. And can I just say that, like, ladies, if we want to change public opinion, then we need to start 
with ourselves. Like we aren't gonna change public opinion by making accusations and going and making fools of ourselves out in front of everybody. Like if you wanna get stuff done, get it done. But don't make a fool of yourself. Don't drag everybody else down with you. And if these are false, then shut up because you are doing more of a disservice to the rest of us than you are doing to further any kind of cultural advance. Thank you for that, Faithan, because I don't think I can say that. No, <laughs> I, yeah. you'd be sexist if you said it. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be sexist. I'd be perceived as sexist. But okay. There there's a go. difference. There's yeah. a difference. All right. Perception is everything. Perception and that's, is everything. that's what we're yeah. talking about here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perception determines reality, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. Which we talked about last Which week. we talked about last week, <laughs> you know. Um. All right. So moving on from Peter Lucido... So John James, man, he's he's got my vote for 2020. I I don't know about the two of you, but he there is nothing coming out that is gonna be bad for him. Like I know that a lot of people have said, you know, Gary Peters has done nothing in Congress. Um, he's also you know very pro-abortion, very pro um, big government. I mean. Um, he's going to say, oh, we've got to get money out of big business or we've got to get big money out of government. You know, ignore all that money that I took. But it's he's just so disingenuous. And, I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought that article up, Jim, um, about him. Was it who was it that actually said that he was um, a hypocrite? Um, her name was Tori Sachs. She's the executive executive director of better future michigan okay yeah exactly so i'm you know i'm glad she brought that up um again i i don't know a ton about gary peters Uh, i just know that he's got his name on no significant bills um he's done really nothing in his first term um and of course people are going to say you know oh he's got to get used to the position but I don't think he's going to be good for Michigan. Um, he hasn't done anything so far, and uh, I'm definitely backing John James here. And this was an unpaid ad for John James. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have got no money yet. But a lot of who gets elected will be determined by the voter turnout, which would be very important here in Michigan. Although, like you said, Gary Peters has an uphill battle because he isn't very well known. He's uh, one of the least known members of, of the Senate. Um, I know very little about him, uh, and I follow the Senate quite often. And his comments about transitioning to a zero net emission by 2050 is just really hurting him among uh, auto workers and other groups. It's just an untenable argument, and it would cost Michigan tons of jobs. So, and he's already behind in the fundraising too, behind John James. There seems to be a lot of momentum behind James coming up, um, partly because we haven't had a Republican senator since uh, the early 2000s. I think the last one was Spencer Abraham, and he re- resigned or didn't run for re-election, one of the two, so he could work in the Bush administration after 9-11. Um, and we've had Democrats since then. So there is an excitement and enthusiasm behind John James in fundraising and just on the ground. Peters does have an advantage being the incumbent 
incumbents just do have a general advantage because they've been in office and it's just easier to remember their names and really easy just to vote for the person who's already been there. But in this case, he, he, he's going to face a bit of an uphill battle because he's not well known like Debbie Stabenow. There isn't much enthusiasm, but like I said, it will depend on turnout. If, if you have a large turnout on the east side of the state um, and if the state goes for the Democrat in the presidential race, it's very possible that they might just vote party line and the Democrat would win both the state and in the Senate race. But if that vote is, uh, if it's tamped down, then the Republicans would have a real shot at winning both the state and in the Senate race. So a lot of it will just come down to turnout. Who gets the votes out? I'd say right now, John James has the advantage because Republicans are excited and motivated to come out and vote. But, you know, still a long way till November, so you don't know what's going to happen. But Yeah. I, well, I saw an article from MLive that said, uh, you know, Trump's actually doing pretty well in, in Michigan. Um, and I don't think a lot of Michiganders are on board with this whole impeachment bull hooey. If, if he's going to be gaining support in Michigan, that's just going to help John James out even more. And he's only 4% behind Gary Peters in the polling. Um, I that's... I, that's pretty incredible for it um, is going running against the incumbent. And most of those polls, I don't know about the one you're citing there, but most of them usually have like a five percent, um, you know, it's a margin, of error. margin of error. So he could be ahead, yeah, or even, you know, what I mean, like, so when it's that close, it could be going in either way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so you can't just discount like, well, he's behind. You know, I mean, he maybe he's four points below him but he's but you know he's still behind well we don't know that yeah you know he you know it's it's really hard it's a it's not an exact science polling yeah they can just get an approximate he's around that area yeah polling has been could be wrong in the past yeah and yeah many many times yeah of uh especially in michigan i've noted well i don't know, maybe maybe other states are like this too but i'm not in those states but exactly. i remember a lot of times in michigan that there would be a bond proposal or something that everyone universally it's like, oh, well, this is going to pass. And then it fails miserably or, you know, like all the polls are showing everyone supports it and, you know, and they go into it. You already have the victory celebrations planned and then the thing fails. We're like what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or candidates who um, I know in, in Michigan, uh, even in the last presidential election, Hillary Clinton was way ahead in Michigan in all the polls. Mm -hmm. And then election night, she did not. Well, she didn't win oh, such a, great name. a lot of a lot of states which shocked everybody either for good or for bad, but everyone was shocked. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, yes. you know, and so the polls are never 100% accurate. Um, there's that old old saying in politics that the only poll that counts is on election day. Exactly. You know, you, so, but there's, there's still time. I mean, you know, it could still be a horse race. I'm not, you know, Gary Peters could pull this out or John James. It, it, a lot of it depends on turnout. A lot of it depends on what happens between now and November. That, you know, Democrats have a lot of tricks up their sleeve. They have ways to get their candidates, you know. Um, voting for them. Well, I, <laughs> aside from that, I meant, I meant like on the national level level of getting Kerry Peters out in front of the people. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the Democrats in the Senate could get him to become, you know, if he's running a tight race, they could have him out there talking up issues and getting his name out there so people will see him. I mean, there's a lot of different things, that, tactics they can use if – they're showing that people don't really know who he is or his name. They they can 
get him out there. It doesn't mean he'll win, but I mean, but they have tricks up their sleeve that they yeah. can they can use from now until November to say, well, let's get him out there. Let's get his name out there. Get his face out there so people know who Gary Peters is when he goes when they go into the bowling booth. So, exactly. so a lot can happen. But um, but yeah. But right now, I would say the momentum is on John James' side. Gary Peters seems to be struggling quite a bit. We'll keep tracking that one uh, as the election unfolds. I know James will be much more active uh, once he has his public launch event. I haven't heard anything from the other candidate, uh, Bill Bill Carr. That's it. Um, so he's, I didn't even know his name. That's how. That's yeah. that's how little. <laughs> I didn't even know anyone was running against yeah. John James. Yeah, it took me um, a second there. Uh, yeah, he he ran in 2018 against Debbie Stabenow. Uh, he dropped out before the primary. So um, yeah, he's he's not. I don't think for even really considering him at no. this point. He's also like a thousand years old, so. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he probably helped write the Michigan Constitution he back then. He may have, like, yeah. He, he, you know, maybe he was there when, during statehood, too. He might have been. He could have been. One yeah. of the people who was one of the first senators or something, but. <laughs> Okay. I, I apologize to Mr. Carr. I don't want to insult yeah, you. Yeah, we're, we're not I'm just, insulting I'm you, just, Mr. Carr. We're I just, just think it's kind of funny that he's... Okay, we're a little bit insulting you. Okay, but, yeah, but, but don't sue me. Yeah, don't sue us. <laughs> we have no money. so mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And there's nothing wrong with being a thousand years old. We just, yeah. you know... Was it Moses or somebody? Like a thousand years old? Or? Methuselah. 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 There Methuselah. we go. Methuselah, yes. Methuselah. And he's in the Bible, so you still got a chance, Bob. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's move into Whitmer. Yeah, Whitmer's speech. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a few things to say. I don't know how intelligent they are or how good, but I have a couple of things. Uh, I I was hearing, well, you know, the the Republican-led legislature hasn't been very supportive of her gas tax. The Republican legislature has not been very supportive of her 45-cent gas tax. It's pretty much dead on arrival. They're not even considering that. Yeah. And so I've been hearing she's she's struggling with what to do now, and I think we'll probably get an idea in her state of the state as to what she's going to propose because really, I, I mean, I don't – I'm not – being critical here, I'm just saying that the Republicans haven't proposed anything uh, as a group. She's the only one proposing, and they're just saying we don't like that. So she's trying to find what what she can do to get them on board for one of her proposals. And I, I've I've heard some people who follow Lansing, um, you know, just complaining. Probably they're more liberal, complaining that the Republicans aren't doing their part. They're not attempting to meet her halfway or anything. But regardless. She's having some trouble figuring out what she can do about the roads because if she's not going to have the legislator's support, what can she do? Now, one idea that they've been floating is the idea of bonds, selling bonds. You Do you remember the idea of war bonds back in the yeah. 1940s and things? So the idea is that we would be like making an investment. I know the Democrats use that term a lot for taxes, but in this case, it would actually be an investment. You'd buy a certain amount of bonds, which would go to repairing the roads and then after 10 or 20 years or however long the bond is, then you could go back and the government would pay you back that money that you lent them, basically. It's like an IOU. Yeah, that's that, something I'm interested in, let the but, government hold on to my money. Yeah, 
Right, and who's to say, like, for bonds, is it only going for roads? They can't allocate Well, this, this would else? only be going for roads. This would only go for roads. Um, so that would be, like, more of an idea for a quick fix, like, okay, right. we're going to get this money, and then we'll pay you back. Uh, what, are they planning on, like, saving up to buy all those bonds back, or... We, we haven't done bonds in a long time, and it's never done well here or in the United States. It's never done well okay. when they've had bonds. Because what typically happens is that the money that's supposed to go back to paying the bonds is just put into the general fund. It's not put into any kind of a lockbox. So then when it's time, almost like pensions, you know, when it's time, when you come back to reclaim them, we don't have any money for that you know we've already allocated all of our funds and so then you end up getting less return like you know well we'll pay you like 10 cents on the dollar or something like that that's what typically happens that's not supposed to obviously you're supposed to get all of your money back but with interest with interest but it's never worked well you might remember the bonus march uh, which was about the bond issue you know um in the 30s where people went back to get their bonds and the government said we don't have any money and they rioted, marched. Um, because it used to have be, that used to be how we paid for wars in this country. You'd buy war bonds, which would help pay for the cost of the war instead of raising everyone's taxes. Yeah. Which sounds like a great idea. But number one, we have the problem of the, the state would be going into debt in order to pay for this because then we would now have all of this debt, like you mentioned, that we'd have to pay back at some point. Yeah. Um, so is that an option that we want to have where we put the country into a debt, or the state, not the country, we put the state into a deficit, a huge deficit. I, I don't know where we are now. I don't know if we have a surplus or a deficit in the state, but do we want to add to the deficit if there is one to repair the roads? Um, and then there's the problem of when it comes time to get them back, what recourse is there if they don't have the money? You know, can you sue them? I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any, anything in the law that allows you to sue for that. I think we should garnish uh, all our, all our politicians' wages so until they can pay it back. It's an option. Personally, it's not an option that I think is a good one. Yeah. Um, but it is, like you said, a short-term fix. And I think that's what she's looking at because it's now been, this is her second year in office. Next year she probably won't get anything passed until next year. So that means she'll be going into her fourth year in office, the election year, having not fixed any of the roads, having not fixed any of the problem in Flint, you know, she's got to get something this year or she's going to go into re-election and not have anything. The big old buck, yes. You know, is it is it the roads what she campaigned on? Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's why yeah, that's why this has become like an emergency. I I don't know, yeah, because that, that's why she's she's at a wit's end, and that's why the Democrats are complaining that the Republicans aren't meeting them halfway, which is probably by design. Yeah, <laughs> the Republicans are going to block, you know, are are going to make sure that they stonewall this so she doesn't get anything done. And yeah. then they can say, look, she didn't accomplish anything but during Republicans her tenure. Republicans have been making some, I mean, legitimate. Uh, right. Individuals have. Yeah. In fact, the aforementioned Peter Lucido yeah. has come up with some really good and really strong ideas. Yeah. Uh, they haven't been accepted by the, the whole Republican 
um, majority. Yeah. But individuals have been making a lot of suggestions, but mm. the party as a whole haven't been helping. And I, I'm positive that is a political, it's a political reason because they don't have as much to lose as she does. Yeah. Are they just stonewalling her to stonewall her or is it just because she's putting up stupid ideas? Well, go ahead, Jim. It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, if her ideas were really good and the public was behind them, you know, and just calling and saying, we want this, then they would, they would cave. They would say, well, oh, yeah. but um, there's stupid ideas that the public really doesn't want. Nobody, you know, we don't want our gas taxes raised. We don't want these ridiculous bonds. But it also serves a political advantage because by stonewalling, they don't have to do anything. They could just wait her out. Um, yeah. You know, you just wait until the election and she'll get voted out. And hopefully in their mind, they'll get a Republican governor and then they can get to work on some of these issues. And that's why both parties kind of suck. Yeah, I mean, they play these games all the time, which I, I hate that part of politics. Yeah. But they both play it. They both play these games. Um, and sometimes it works to our advantage. I mean, you know, like on the national level, you see it with uh, the Republicans under Obama. You know, they, they stonewalled and obstructed, so he didn't really get much of what he wanted. Which is you know, really good. Which, like, you know, if you... If you uh, you know, if you didn't support Obama's agenda, then yeah, you're happy yeah. that they that they stuck their heels on the ground and wouldn't work with them. Yeah. And you know, but if you're a, if you're the opposite party, oh, that's so aggravating that you know they won't meet us halfway. And like to what we're hearing about the Democrats saying about the Republicans in the legislature, you know, like they're not even trying to work with us. They're not, you know, we break a proposal and they say, nope, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, do you have any suggestion? No, nope, we're waiting for you. You know, okay, well, how about we do this? Nope, not going to happen. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, you know, they get upset because, well, you got to at least play ball with us. And they're like, no, we don't have to. Yeah. You know, we don't We don't have to that, do this. That was your platform. Right, right. You're the one who ran on the roads. Exactly. We don't, why, why do we have to, you know, why do we have to come up with anything? You exactly. Know? Um, so. I think, I think if I had a suggestion for Governor Whitmer, um, if she would ever hear it. Yeah. But, <laughs> Aside from resigning. Aside from resigning, yeah. yeah. If I had a if I had a suggestion, if I had a suggestion, and I re- genuinely wanted to help her, I would tell her, you know, listen to what Republicans are saying and develop an idea from that. That mm-hmm. would, you know, gain her bipartisan support. Yes, um, it would help her re-election campaign. You know, if she was able to get something done. Yeah. Um, not that I'm saying I want Gretchen Whitmer to do something that's good, but yeah, we're looking eh, at. Well, you know, you know what, you know, at this point, you know, screw it. If a Democrat's going to do something yeah. for the roads, just get it done. I mean, right. stop, stop murdering babies as well, but um, get the roads done. Yeah. I, I don't th- I think that... We, we, we worry too much about who's going to get the credit and instead of doing what's right. Yeah. You know, like like lots of times, like, well, I don't want to support Whitmer because she might get credit and get reelected. Yeah. And it's like, well, let's just get rid of that. Let's just like put the state first. Yeah. Let's get what needs to be done. And then we'll worry about politics later. You know, if, if it helps her, well, at least we got the roads. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. if it doesn't, then great. Then that's even better because we got the roads and we're going to get a Republican governor. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of win-win. But um, yeah, and I, I, you know, we keep harping on this, but I really want them to do some kind of an audit to find out where all of the money is going that was allotted for roads. Yeah. You know, we're constantly, you know, we have all this money going in, we're paying into taxes for the roads, and I can't seem to find out where this money is going. I mean, like, you you ask people and you do research, and 
it's like, oh, well, a little bit goes here, a little bit goes there. And I'm like, well, but I, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why are they not, if it's for the roads, I don't know why it's not just earmarked for the roads. You know, why, why are the road taxes going to pay for schools or anything, you know? I, should should we give our, our typical answer? Because it's government. Cause government. Oh, yes. <laughs> why didn't I think of that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would like to, I think that that would probably be the best option is to, you know, for her to figure out where the money is going and stop it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. So the second best would be work with the Republicans. Um, there's many who want to work with you or work with her. Um, that's what I, that would, that's what I would tell her if I was talking to her. There's many that want to work with you. They want to get the roads done too. You know, find a consensus, get something done. Don't worry about who gets the credit. Exactly. And we'll hear more about it. Yeah. Let's start focusing on like policies and getting stuff done and what the people want rather than our parties. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll hear more about it at the State of the State address. Um, there were a couple other uh, things I mentioned within this uh, speech that she made that I definitely wanted to discuss. Um, and her abjectly false statement, we covered that in the news segment because, I mean, it's, it's not exactly new, these studies. Uh, they've been out. I mean, one of them was, I looked at, was from 1992, saying that families are a child's uh, biggest indicator of success, as being a part of a nuclear family. I mean, there's studies all over the place, and if she hasn't seen these, well, we got kind of a dumb governor, but... Um, to just say throwing money at the kids, like, that's going to help them. Uh, nope. Nope. Not seeing the evidence for that. Uh, we've been increasing our spending in education now for, what, the past 50 years, and education has been getting worse and worse. So probably not the problem, Whitmer. Maybe we should try something else like, you know, supporting nuclear families, um, encouraging people to take an active role in their children's education. A couple things um, that we didn't discuss in the news segment, um, some of the questions that she's getting from some of the people are just, just kind of reveal, you know, where our culture is. Um, the first one was, I'm going to be paraphrasing here, the question was about the roads and about uh, funding for school, and the person asking said, what are your plans to fund schools and roads, and what can you do without legislative assistance? How can you do anything without legislative assistance? Thank you. <laughs> so that was my first thought. I was like, wait a second. Let's are you go trying to make the governor emperor here? Like, Yeah. It like that's too much power. It yeah. goes back to what we were talking about. You know, like They already assume that the Republicans aren't going to help. So... What can you do without having to deal with the, those rascally Republicans, you know, who won't, you know, who won't help, you know. Um, and that's that's the problem, putting party first. And it comes back to haunt you when the other party's in power, because then when there's a Republican governor and if there's a Democratic legislature and the Republican governor wants to do something, then I don't need the, I don't need the Democratic legislature. I'll just do everything I want. Exactly. My own. And the Democrats will be pulling their hair out like, that's not right. That's not fair. You have to go through us. You have to hear our voice. You have to, you know, and, and you're like, well. 
sounds a lot like Obama with his uh, with his executive orders every other week, and now Trump is doing some executive <laughs> orders, so make, making some executive decisions. And the Democrats are like, <gasps> the process. That's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. So I mean, but that is exactly what happened in that case too, um, because of the Republican. <laughs> what I said, the Republicans refused to work with Obama. He had, well, he didn't have to, but he chose to try to do stuff by legislation or by executive order. And then, and then Trump gets into office, and now it comes back to bite them because now the president says, well, I don't need you. I can do whatever I want, and they don't like that. No. Suddenly they discover that, oh, there's a reason why we have three, you know, the three branches of government. There's a reason for yeah. the separations of power. But it's really hard to rein that in now that you said it's okay for a president to do it. And that's to bring it back to what we're saying here. It's exactly. hard. Once you start letting the governor do whatever he or she wants without the legislature, when it's the opposite party doing it, it's really hard to rein that back in and say, well, we want that power back. You know, like, well, no, you gave it away. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, anytime you give something to somebody, it's really hard to get it back afterward if you say, yeah. here, here's a, here's a watch. You can have it. I have, a, you know, I have another one. And then later, like, actually, I want that watch back. Like, what? No? No, you're not getting it back, you know? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, once they have it, they it don't want to get it It makes you seem really dumb. Right. And it makes you seem petty and pathetic. And especially if it's, especially if it's like, well, I guess I see this a lot on, on court shows, TV court shows, where people will be dating and they'll, like, hand somebody their credit card or something like, oh, no, you know, we're dating, you know, buy whatever you want. And then... They buy all this stuff and then they break up. I'm like, I want you to pay me back for everything that you bought. And it's like, it always just comes off as petty. Like, oh, well, it was okay when you guys were dating. You didn't mind him raking up your credit card bills. And, but now that you broke up, you know, it's like, well, now, you know, he ruined my credit. He ruined my life, you know? And it's kind of the same thing here, you know, like, oh yeah, let's let the governor do whatever they want, whatever she wants, you know? You know, she shouldn't have to deal with the Republicans. And then when there's a change of power, then it'll be like, uh, uh, that's not right because, you know, we're, we're Michiganders too. You have exactly. to hear our voice. You have to, you have to at least talk to us. Well, you know, that's really petty. You mm -hmm. know, when you were in power, I don't need to talk to the Republicans. They're not, you know, I don't care what their opinion is. We're going to do what we think is right. And then when the other party says that, I'm like, oh, that's not right. That's not right. Yeah. You know, you have to listen to every voice. You represent every Michigander, not just the ones who voted for you. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's really hard to take it back. Yeah, and so, if I mean, if we have any Democrats that are still listening, um, yeah, I would definitely not encourage questions like this. We're not trying to make an emperor um, out of the governor. Yeah, and it seems like it's just really uninformed question where it's like, mm -hmm. that's not how the government works at all. Exactly. So, uh, definitely, yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, it's frustrating for me, too, when the... Republican, you know, uh, if when a Republican isn't being worked with by Democrats, it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. That's the process. Um, that keeps us from tyranny. Um, let's not try and uh, usurp all of the the separations of powers that the Constitution has so graciously given us. And our our, our opinion is not going to change. You know, next time there's a Republican governor. Yeah. You know, like we're not going to come back later and be like, oh, wow, the governor should be able to do whatever he wants without having to deal with the Democrats. You yeah. know, it's like, no, this is a principle thing. This is not a Republican or Democrat or, but you I, know. I know there are a lot of Republicans that are just like, screw principle. 
Yeah, and there there, there will be a lot of them. Yeah. When that happens, they will say, I don't care. They did it to us. We'll do it to them. Yeah. You know, I, so I we, still think we, it's wrong. I'll still think it's wrong. I'm yeah, like, absolutely. You know. We on this show, we can't, we can't control all the Republicans. We don't, yeah. You know, we don't have that kind of control. So if you're going to screw the Republicans consistently over and over, you're going to have to expect it back at some yeah. point. So mm-hmm. another question that was asked and kind of in the same vein, um, what are you doing to boost wages? Um, oh boy oh boy indeed uh the government does not create jobs the government does not create wealth the government all they can do is take wealth from people that have made it and redistribute it Mm -hmm. so and all that's gonna do is make the wealthy people want to leave exactly and then our, our economy tanks and it's not the government's job to take care of you i'm sorry I know a lot of people think it is. Um, it's another one of those culture things, but we have got to in Michigan get away with this or get away from this idea that the government is there to fix all of our problems. They're not. And as we go through the Michigan Constitution, you will see that at not one point does it say the government's job is to fix your problems. No, no, I'm pretty they, sure it's not in no, there anyway. Uh, you know, and, and we'll prove it over time as we go through. The listeners can read along with us, and they'll find it. That there's nothing that says that. Um, yeah, I, I, that idea, I, I hear that all the time on both state and national levels. But what are you going to do to increase, uh, you know, increase pay? And what are you going to do to, you know, all this? Kind of, and I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I, I hear it. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous to think that somehow, I mean, we're not, people sometimes act as if we're a socialist nation where the government controls business. You know, and it just doesn't. Like, I hear that argument, but, well, it's not right that a basketball player gets such and such amount of money, but a teacher only gets this amount of money. Like, well, it might not be fair, but the government can't regulate that. Like, the government doesn't decide what the pay for the basketball player is and what yeah. the pay for the teacher is. There might be a disparage, uh, you know, a huge disparagement between the two, but well, it's not the government's role. There uh, might be 500,000 people going every week to see this basketball player, yeah. and the, the teacher has, what, 50, 60 pupils that yeah. are probably not super wealthy. Um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects. I, I didn't think about that one. But uh, but just the idea, you know, that they, they try to pit people against each other, you know, and saying, well, these people are really rich and these people are not, and it's not fair. Well, it might not be fair. I mean, I don't know. But my you know, point is, what are, you, what are you going to do about it? I mean, you, you know, you act like you're going to do something like, well, I'm going to ensure that teachers get paid the same as basketball players. How are you going to do that? Yeah, your job isn't to pay teachers and not to pay basketball players. Or I don't think a CEO should make more than their secretary. Well, you can think that all you want, but the government can't, you know, can't put caps on how much a business can pay their CEO, you know, or dictate how much you have to pay the secretary. I mean, it's, these things sound fine, but in reality, government can't do anything about that. So they're like, well, I work a, a job at the gas station. I don't think I get paid enough. Governor, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to call your boss personally and make sure that he gives you a raise. Like, what? <laughs> no, they're going to argue that we need to raise the minimum wage. And I think that the minimum wage has actually been holding us back because it's not keeping up with cost of living. And because there's that bottom line where a lot of companies are now like, well, this is all we have to pay you. It's like you're not paying your people based on um, the actual work you're getting out of them or what they're doing. You're now paying them based on this bottom line that the the state has given you. 
I mean, I, I agree with you in, in what you're saying, but the only, the only thing is if you're looking at the Constitution, which is what I think Tom and I are both talking about, is there's no provision in the Constitution for the government to be d- dictating how much a person should be paid. This is just a constitutional thing. Right. In reality, I, I agree that maybe the Constitution should be amended or something, possibly. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. But I, I agree that the, the wages have not increased in a long time. I mean, maybe maybe just a little bit at a time, but not with the cost of living. No. Right. I'm just playing devil's advocate but, here. This is well, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I agree with you that the minimum wage probably is too low, but I also... In a greater sense, the constitutional part of me says, well, there's no reason to have, really have a minimum wage to begin with. Right. Well, that the government has ordered, you know. And minimum wage immediately makes a jump in inflation. Immediately. It has an yeah. immediate giant impact on inflation. Yeah, if that is true. a company now has to pay, you know, every single employee more, all of their prices are going to go up mm-hmm. immediately. They do not wait. Um, right. They raise their prices. And because we have a taxing system that's based on percentages of income, now your taxes are going to immediately go up. Immediately. The government is making more money off of you mm-hmm. because they raised the minimum wage. You end up not having any more purchasing power. You, have, you after end you, up with less. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's the main problem I've always had with the minimum wage, I'll, you know, is that, like you said, the prices all go up as soon as you get the raise. So therefore you end up not having any more money. Yeah. yeah. You know, not like not like you just suddenly got more money and now you can buy all these new things. It's like, well, everything went up. So you don't buy the same things you did before except it just costs more. Yeah. And so, yeah. You, you know. I just wanted to bring that up. But yeah, but that that, that, is, that is a good point. I mean, as far as we were saying that there's nothing the government can do, there there is things the government can do, but they're not constitutional, but to raise the minimum wage. But, uh, but, but yeah, there's very little that the government can do about that. All right. So we thank you again for being a part of the Holmes Politicast opinion segment. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions. Yeah, any of those things, uh, please feel free to drop us an email. Um, should I say the email? I mean, they got to know where to send their comments, they questions, gotta know and where suggestions. They got to know comments and suggestions. Uh, it is straightnewsforyou at gmail.com. That is the letter for, not the number for, the letter for, the, the word for, not the number for. F-O-R, not F-O-U-R. Thank you. That is, clar- <laughs> that is clarifying. Uh, please remember to like us on iTunes, uh, subscribe, give us a rating. Um, we depend on your support and your suggestions to keep this show going. So if you like us, please uh, please do the things that will support us so that we can keep on bringing you all of this content. Uh, We thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. See ya.